Hey everyone, it's your host Cece here and we just wanted to say sorry for not uploading sooner since Brenda and I have both been busy in the background, but don't worry, we're back now. And just another heads up, we'll be talking about the concept of open science later on, so if anyone's interested, you can go on the Centre for Open Sciences website and learn more there. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Menace to Med. I'm your host Brenda. And I'm your host Cece. Woo! And today we have a brand new episode for you guys and we have an amazing interview lined up. So today's interviewee has a BSc honours degree in biochemistry from the University of Melbourne, has a BSc in psychology from the Australian National University and another BSc in psychology from the Southwest University, China, as a part of a joint education program. Is also a research assistant at the Department of Neuroscience in the City University of Hong Kong and is currently a DPhil student at the Wellcome Centre for Integrative Imaging at the University of Oxford. Welcome to the show, Yin Chi, and thank Welcome. you for coming today. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. And we just want to start off with questions about the younger you, like secondary student. So question number one, transport us back to your school days. Did you enjoy your experience or was there like anything you didn't really like? I think in general, I quite liked it. I think in school days, there were not much to worry about compared to the life now there's yeah. more things to worry about apart from study whereas in school I was in my boarding school there was nothing to think about really apart from study and I was living with my classmates and we became really good friends we spent lots of good time together so oh, I quite liked it. That's nice. okay that's nice and it's, it's quite I would imagine that boarding school is a lot more different to um just um, going to school day by day because you obviously yeah. spend that more time with your classmates so you'll, you'll form a lot stronger friendships and yeah that's been an amazing experience so the next question is what subjects did you take and what were your favorite subjects okay so in a Chinese school well yeah I went to a Chinese school so we didn't have much choice we could only choose between science subjects and humanity subjects and there were three compulsory subjects for us which were Chinese, English and maths and I chose to do science which included physics, chemistry and biology. My favourite subjects I would say were chemistry and biology. I found them very interesting. Yeah, chemistry is one of my favourite now as well. Yeah. It's a very interesting subject, yeah. yeah. And it's hard. <laughs> it is hard, yeah. <laughs> it's rewarding, though. Oh, yeah, I'm Chinese yeah. as well, so, like, I, my, from my cousins back in China, like, they're going through the same thing. I totally get where you're coming from, and honestly, I respect it a lot, because literally cry if I had to do that. It seems like a lot of stress, yeah. And next question, so, what were your grades like? Obviously, it's a kind of different in China, but... Yeah, I can't yeah. remember exactly what my grades were like, but I do remember my rank in my class. We had around oh, wow. 70 students in my class, and I was in the middle, I think upper middle. I always ranked around 20 to 30 in my class. Yeah. Ooh. We had lots of exams, and every time we took an exam, we would rank. So wow. I wow. remember that very clearly. That's so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's very different to the UK. Yeah. Because I think in the UK, I think there's a lot of um, they want to kind of like protect students in a sense. 
because a lot of students probably wouldn't be able to handle yeah, their ranking. Pressure, yeah. But for me, like, I'm Cameroonian and my parents had the same thing, like, back home. They have like, the ranking system. So after every exam, you'd get called up to the front in order from um, last in the year to the wow. last in the year. So, yeah, stress. <laughs> That's even <laughs> more stressful for yeah. us. Yeah. It's the ranking posted yeah. at the front of the class so everyone yeah. can come to see it. Yeah. Um, that's harsh <laughs> yeah very harsh okay and so go on from that did you partake in any extracurriculars so sadly I did not I was in a state school we heavily emphasized on academic performance so I literally didn't have any chance or time for extracurriculars our day would go start from half past 6 a.m in the morning all the way oh. until 10 p.m and we had morning classes, afternoon classes and evening classes. So, no, I didn't get to pick up a new hobby and wow. I also had to give up a few activities I used to do when I was in primary school. Yeah. was a shame, but that's yeah. what I did. Wow. Wow. So, like, what lessons start at 6.30am? Was that, like, a breakfast time? It was, like, morning reading. You could read anything you want. Oh. Or memorising. And then wow. we go to have breakfast. And then we had five classes in the morning. Wow. 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 Still very intense. Yeah. Okay. So if you could speak to your 16-year-old self now and give her some advice, what would you say? I think the main advice I would give the 16-year-old self would be more to be more assertive I think back then I wasn't brave enough to stand up for my point of view Mm -hmm. and for me saying no was quite hard so I think I would advise the past me to really practice and spending more time saying no and not to feel stressed about turning down something I don't feel like doing. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. I think even now that can be applied with um, a lot of students in school today, how if people can just like stand up for their point of views a little bit more, maybe things would change and people would be able to, um, to be able to, to be happy at school as well, in a sense, and to be able to enjoy things mm-hmm. more as well. Okay. So how was your journey through higher education? Was it always a smooth ride? I think the admission per se was quite smooth. That's what every school student would do. And I was just following the majority. But I think what's not so smooth was finding what I wanted to do for my career. That was definitely not a straight path because as a fresh graduate from high school, I had no idea what to do for life. And yeah. I tried out different options, did a lot of self-reflection and talking to people to find out what I wanted to do for myself. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty important. Yeah. Since you're going to be spending years on this subject that you choose, it's obviously going to take a lot out of you. And if it's something you don't enjoy, it's just going to be harder to carry on doing that. So yeah, yeah it's important to figure For that sure. out firsthand. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually very draining as well, because now we're in the process of like making our final decisions of what mm-hmm. career path we want to do. And it's kind yeah. of, I feel like at the age of 17, it's, it's a lot to be deciding 
what you want to do in the future because you're going to be working in a job for years and years and years yeah. and especially nowadays how the retirement age is just increasing increasing i'm pretty sure by the time you have yeah. to retire we'd be like 70 still working because oh, now yeah. it's like 67 so yeah it's it's hard it's very hard but hopefully hopefully we make the right decisions and there is to be honest it's never too late to always change and try something new i think yeah. don't feel too stressed about it yeah yeah it's got different Lenny. pathways yeah okay and moving on from that we've got our third segment where we're going to be asking you some questions about life as a phd student so first question for the people who don't really know what a phd is could you give a little explanation yeah, for sure. So in very simple terms, a PhD is the highest academic degree. You have to spend three or more years doing original and independent research to produce a thesis. And yeah. at the end of it, you'd, you'd have to defend your thesis. And for me, I think a PhD is more of a first step of being a researcher. I get to conduct my own research, but under guidance and supervision. So I get to acquire skills that are required to become an independent researcher in the future. Yeah, cool. I think I want to do, if I can do a PhD, I don't know how long mm-hmm. it will take me because I already want to do a med- medical degree and that's going to take a while as well. That's true. Yeah. But hopefully... I I want to I would I want to hopefully have a PhD in um, neuroscience and neurology something like that. I want to ask how do you defend your thesis? Is that how I haven't gone through a defense yet, oh, okay. but I think it's not going to be against the thesis because okay. every method, every design cannot be perfect. There's yeah. always some something you. They don't get to think about or there's no way to make a perfect research design so i think you'd have to think about the drawbacks of your research yeah. if there is any alternative way of interpreting real results if there is any future plan you can continue to do after you finish your phd Okay. So the next question is, how has your time been in Oxford so far? Are there any enjoyable stories or favourite places that you've been to? Yeah, Oxford Live is really good. I'd say it's wonderful. It's my first time living in the UK and I'm really glad I'm in Oxford. There are amazing and brilliant people around. And also because I'm in college, I get to meet people from different programmes, different countries. And yeah. also within college, we have different social events. I've been go- going to salsa classes offered by oh, my college, which nice. was so fun. <laughs> yeah, we have that every week. So we also have yeah. salsa party at the end of the term. Wow. <laughs> if Brenda decides wow. to go, you know, if we both get yeah, <laughs> do a little dance. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So for the students and people tuning in today who may not understand what your PhD is on, could you explain a little bit more on what you work on? Yeah, sure. So my topic focuses on brain plasticity and that describes how experiences reorganize our neural pathways in the brain. So for example, if there's long lasting functional changes in the brain. We can see them occurring when we learn new things or memorize new information. And after we learn something new, our brain would undergo a process that converts and stabilizes new information into long-term memory. Yeah. And during this process, mm-hmm. our brain shows 
some structural and functional changes. So my research is basically to understand these mechanisms. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah. The thing is, I've like... I've been trying to read about the brain because it's very interesting and it's just, it's very, it's like, I just can't comprehend how complex and like I've read up on like why, like a book called Why We Sleep and it's just learning about the different mechanisms behind why people sleep and, and how that can help you or actually disadvantage in some cases um, in the long term. So it's quite interesting, like how um, you're researching how the brain um, stores memory into long term, short term and the difference between that. That's just wow. And this specifically happens during sleep. So sleep really plays a key role in translating memory from short term to long term. I need to sleep. I need to sleep a lot more. (laughs) Okay, so to go on from that, what was the reason behind choosing this topic to research? And has it always been a lifelong interest or did a professor inspire you to take this route? I think for me, I started to get interesting this topic in neuroscience and also brain plasticity during my undergrad study in psychology. Yeah, I remember taking this one neuroscience course and I was really amazed at how the brain could reorganize itself by modifying neural connections in response to experience. So basically saying that learning can change our brain. Our brain is not static. We have control over it. I think for my current topic, it's more of my current supervisor that helps me to narrow down the specific research topic. But for the more broad general topic, that's when I started my interest. So what do you hope to achieve in your research then? Or what would be the best outcome for you? Best outcome would be (laughs) to finish my PhD. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. (laughs) I think, um, well, I'd say the best outcome wouldn't be to get good results all the time, but to get familiar and to be an expert in my field, to be able to be critical about Mm -hmm. different research methods, different research models and analysis approaches. And I think also be able to design a, a good research project. That's the thing I'm still learning at the, at this time. Wow, that's really good. The best outcome would always be to <laughs> to finish the PhD. Yeah, first and foremost. Good. <laughs> okay, so how did you find the transition from studying in one country to the next? I think the transitioning is less about studying in different countries, but more about living in different countries. Yeah. Studying is very much the same, but living is very different. Yeah. And I think every time I had to move, It was very stressful because I had to say goodbye to old friends, people I've met. I have to move houses. I have to move all my stuff to a different new environment and settle in. But at the same time, it was also very exciting. I have this new life coming, awaiting for me. So I I really enjoy it, having lived in different cities. Oh, that's really nice. Also, one advantage is that I can compare my studying and living experiences in different countries. Yeah. More stories to tell. (laughs) (laughs) So which one did you find easier? It's kind of hard to say because at the beginning it was much harder for me moving from China to Australia. That was the hardest. And then... 
the subsequent transitioning was less hard, much more yeah. smooth. It's less about country, but I quite like, I like all of these places I've lived in. Yeah. They're all different, but all charming. They yeah. Have their yeah. They all have their little, little fine parts that make them unique and that we enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah, I brought, I feel like for me and Sushi as well, our transitioning was more so from like a state school to a, oh, yeah. a, to a state grad school, which was like the change there, change in pace was a lot. I think it was a lot when yeah. we first came in. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like now we've gotten used to the pace. I think it's more so just, just enjoying the process now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. When did you first know you wanted to work in the field of neuroscience? And the first note, I can't think of a point that I suddenly realised I wanted to do neuroscience. It was more of a long journey. I chose to do psychology because my mom is working in this field. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. during my study in psychology, I realised I'm more interested in the biological basis of the brain instead of purely behavioural stuff. So yeah. I decided to do some neuroscience related and I also tried out different research projects when I was in undergrad and then finally I got to this lab in Melbourne worked with some neuroplasticity research yeah. projects and so yeah that got me interested in this field. Wow as a part of your neuroscience do, um, degree do you get to like learn about um, different things like pain like why people feel pain and stuff like that? I actually never have a degree in neuroscience. It's in psychology only. And pain was, it was mentioned, but none. It's never a main topic. Oh, okay. So the next question would be, what qualities do you think would make a good researcher? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, I think. <laughs> the top one, I'd say, is to be curious. You have to be passionate about solving unanswered questions and that's the whole thing about research yeah and I think the second one I'd say would be be determined it's not an easy journey you have to spend lots of time finding out something no one else knows not including yourself Mm -hmm. so the time you put in may not pay off straight away you have to spend lots of time and effort you know going through this journey yeah and another quality i'd say is to have integrity you know it's not it's less about you definitely have to be honest but i think here it's more about say for example if you analyze your data set with different analysis methods yeah. And you find that one method, the result, the conclusion you get from one method is different from another method. And you choose yeah. to report one in your journal, in your final journal paper. And that shouldn't be the case, even though yeah. if you actually do it, no one would know. Mm-hmm. But as yeah. a researcher, you should have this integrity and report everything you've done for the analysis. Yeah. And I guess to show like a fair fair overview of how the research has worked and stuff like that, instead of just choosing the one that you want to be 
your mate like people to mainly focus on yeah. yeah oh yeah i was i was on the unique course that's how i met you and because since you were talking about the concept of open science that was what you were presenting on could you explain a little bit more to the audience what it is yeah sure so open science is this practice that aims to increase openness integrity and reproducibility of scientific research so currently there is this you know there are lots of scientific papers that are still behind paywalls that are not accessible to the open public so this practice is to advocate uploading and sharing all these all aspects of um, scientific research outputs yeah i think that would definitely make things a lot easier because um for example myself and cc we've had to do presentations for uh, biology society or cc's case um, medical society as well and it would make it a lot easier to have critical evidence behind our points and our presentations if we had more access to more um types of research for example the last presentation i did was on um congenital insensitivity to pain than hydrosis and I struggled to find a lot of information on that on it because it's such a rare disease and um there was barely any research that I could actually access so it took me a while to find concrete um evidence to support um my presentation but yeah definitely the open science idea is is will honestly make things a lot easier even for the younger students out there yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah, also, I think another example would be you have come across this, say, um, research design, which works yeah. perfectly for your project, and you want to reuse it, but there is nothing reusable. You'd have to yeah, create definitely. everything from scratch, which takes yeah. time. Yeah. It's just a waste of time if they can just share everything mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we had a look at the Centre for Open Science's website and came across the term OSF, Open Science Framework. Can you explain what this is? Yeah, sure. So it's a website that's free and it's an open platform to support your research and enable collaboration. And you can publish your resources, as I just mentioned, like your data, your research script for your analysis or for your behavioural experiment you can upload everything of that and it also has version control so if you have to update um your old script or your or your old data you can have a new version and it has Mm -hmm. a date assigned to it and you can share it with 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 your own you you don't have to make it public or you can share it within your own research group so yeah to everyone much easier for collaboration. Wow, thank you. So what are your plans for future research? Will you continue to work on memory-related research or are you going to do something else? For now, I build memory-related is a big field and I'm only doing this one small, narrow field subset of it. So I, I like memory. It's quite interesting. It's one of the most powerful skills we have. So I'd like to continue in this field. Definitely. Okay. And then now we're going to move on to our final segment, which is where we ask questions for the aspiring researchers out there who like to go into research or STEM fields, medical fields. So for our future researchers, what advice do you have for them? 
I think one of my main suggestions would be to really choose something you are passionate about instead of if you want to go get into a PhD program and get doctorate degree, get yeah. the title. Mm-hmm. There are quite many people are like that, if especially if this is the majority of their peers, their students, everyone is doing that, they're kind of also wanted to do it. Yeah. I think it's really about what you are interested in. It's going to be a pain to spend four, five years or even the rest of your career doing something you're not interested in. Yeah. Yeah. And um, second last question. What are some things you wish you knew before studying for your bachelor's and PhD that you want other people to know? Yeah, I think one thing is to is that it's okay to try out different options and not know what you want at that yeah. point. You know, as a fresh graduate student, mm-hmm. you're very stressed about what to do in the future, but, you know, you will never know unless you try it out. And for myself, I tried out different fields within psychology and also outside of psychology. Yeah. I tried you know, developmental psychology stuff because I wanted to do some clinical thing at that time. And then I found out that I wasn't interested in it or Mm. it's not something I wanted to do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not necessary to determine a set career path. I think at this age, you have plenty of time to try new things. Yeah. Still young. (laughs) You can think of other things. Still young. Yeah. Okay, and for our final question, it is, what do you think made you stand out in the university applications? Yeah, I think there are different things they would look at. I never knew why my application was successful. I mean, for my undergraduate, it's just Kaukau, the only one school. And then I applied for my honours degree, which was more of a research degree. And I approached yeah. to the potential supervisor. We talked about our interests and plans. So I think one thing definitely is your grades. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have good grades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the first step. <laughs> and, then, and then also I think to know what you want, to be passionate. Um I think for some people, if they just want to do this degree without, you know, knowing that they are actually interested in it, the examiners will know, they can tell. Yeah. yeah. And also for me, for my PhD application specifically, I think I've had lots of relevant experiences in this field in yeah. different places and I have connections. So, yeah, that's probably why my application got through. Okay, we've made it to the end of this episode. Um, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Menace to Medicine and thank you for letting us interview Ying Shi. So I was your host, Cece. And I was your host, Brenda. Thank you guys for listening. See you in the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.